the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Today on Ring of Truth with Pastor Dan Sexton. It's talking about our attitude towards worship, our our disposition towards worship. For our worship to be pleasing to God, it can't be empty worship. It it can't be mechanical. It can't be uh, ritual. Uh, We can't just be going through the motions during worship. It should be real. It It needs to be a real expression. It needs to be authentic and sincere to be acceptable to God. It doesn't matter how talented you are. If you're ingenuine in your worship, it's not going to fool God. He knows your heart intimately, and He knows when you're motivated by your own selfish desires. As Pastor Dan continues our study of John's account of Jesus' ministry, he reflects on the words our Savior said to the Samaritan woman at the well. We're now living in a time where we don't have to worship at a temple, but our hearts can worship Him in spirit and truth anytime and any place. Now here's Pastor Dan in the book of John chapter 4 for today's edition of Ring of Truth. John chapter 4, Mark chapter 6. Last Sunday, we left off at verse 43, where we read, Now after the two days, Jesus departed from there and went to Galilee. For Jesus himself testified that a prophet has no honor in his own country. So when he came to Galilee, the Galileans received him having seen all the things he did in Jerusalem at the feast, the feast of Passover, for they also had gone to the feast. So Jesus came again to Cana of Galilee, where he had made the water to wine. And there was a certain nobleman whose son was sick at Capernaum. When he heard that Jesus had come out of Judea into Galilee, he went to him And implored him to come down and heal his son, for he was at the point of death. Then Jesus said to him, Unless you people see signs and wonders, you will by no means believe. And the nobleman said to him, Sir, come down before my child dies. And Jesus said to him, Go your way, your son lives. And so the man believed the word that Jesus spoke to him, and he went his way. And as he was now going down to Capernaum, his servants met him and told him, saying, Your son lives. Same words that Jesus used. Then he inquired of them the hour when he had, 
when he got better. And they said to him, yesterday at the seventh hour, the fever left him. And so the father knew that it was at the same hour in which Jesus said to him, your son lives. And he himself believed and his whole household. This again is the second sign Jesus did when he had come out of Judea into Galilee. Well, our passage today uh, records the second of seven signs that Jesus performed that are recorded in John's gospel. Now, that does not mean that this is the only the second miracle that Jesus performed. Uh, If you remember back in chapter two, when Jesus was in Jerusalem for the Passover, uh, it says in chapter two, verse 23, that Jesus performed many signs while he was in Jerusalem for the Passover. This is the second sign of seven that John is highlighting for us in his gospel. And if you remember, John wrote this gospel to show us that Jesus is the Christ, the Messiah and the son of God. He's God in incarnate, God in the flesh. And to show us that he highlights seven miracles or seven signs that point to the identity of Jesus Christ. Uh, In our study last week, in the first part of chapter four, uh, Jesus journeyed to Samaria, uh, to a village in Samaria called Sukkar. And there in Samaria, in the village of Sukkar, he had a conversation with a woman, an immoral woman uh, at Jacob's well. Uh, And in that conversation, we pointed out that Jesus Jesus made some pretty amazing statements. Uh, If you look back in verse 25 and 26 of chapter 4, Jesus made the clearest declaration in the Gospels that he is the Messiah. Uh, And he made this declaration to an immoral woman of Samaria, of all people, not to a priest in Jerusalem, not even to a Jewish person, but to a Samaritan woman. In verses 23 and 24, he gave his clearest teaching on worship, saying in verse 24, God is spirit and those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. Uh, Those who worship Jesus for that worship to be accepted by God, uh, they must worship in spirit. And that doesn't mean the Holy Spirit. Uh, If you look in your Bible, the word spirit's not capitalized there. It's not talking about the Holy Spirit. It's talking about your individual spirit. It's talking about our attitude towards worship, our our disposition towards worship. For our worship to be pleasing to God, it can't be empty worship. It it can't be mechanical. It can't be uh, ritual. Uh, We can't just be going through the motions during worship. It should be real. It It needs to be a real expression. It needs to be authentic and sincere to be acceptable to God. But it's not enough for our worship to be sincere. Uh, Sometimes you hear people say it doesn't matter what you believe as long as you're sincere and what you believe. Well, a person can be sincere in what they believe, but be sincerely wrong in what they believe. And so our worship needs to be in spirit, but also in truth. And the truth is the Bible. The Bible is truth. Uh, So our worship needs to be sincere, authentic, real, but it also needs to be biblical. Uh, And if you remember from our study last week, if you were here after Jesus had this encounter 
with this woman at the well, this conversation. Uh, The woman realized that Jesus is the Christ, the Messiah. She went back to her town, back to her village, back to Sukkar, and she told everyone in the town that she had found the Christ, the Messiah. She became the first preacher in church history. Again, it's an immoral Samaritan woman that God chose to be the first messenger for the church. Uh, Aren't you glad that he didn't choose just Ivy League graduates who got a perfect score on their SAT, who've never done anything wrong? Uh, I like that he's got the bar really low for his kingdom because then I can get in. Verse 30 tells us the whole town came out to see Jesus. Now look at verse 39. Verse 39, uh, in verse 39, it says, And many of the Samaritans of the city believed in Jesus because of the word of the woman who testified, He told me all that I ever did. So when the Samaritans had come to Jesus, they urged him to stay with them, and he stayed there two days, and many more believed because of his own word. And so first the people of Sukkar believed the testimony of the woman, but after spending two days with Jesus and hearing him, they believed because of Jesus's words. And so first it was based on the testimony of someone else, and then it was from their own personal experience with Jesus that they believed. And many of you have that same story. You know, you you heard the testimony of someone else. Someone else told you about Jesus. Maybe it was a friend who talked about Jesus to you, piqued your interest, you were curious. And then you went and and you went to church with them, or maybe you started reading the Bible and, and you encountered Jesus for yourself and you experienced him for yourself in a personal way. And so first it began with what someone else said about Jesus, but then it became your own thing, your own personal uh, experience, not just the experience of someone else. Look at verse, look at verse 42. Then they said to the woman, now we believe not because of what you said, for we ourselves have heard him and we know, look what they say, that this indeed is the Christ, the savior of the world. They got it right. And don't miss this. The Samaritans got it right. They were right about Jesus. The religious leaders down in Jerusalem didn't get it right. The people who should have got it right didn't get it right. But the Samaritans got it right about Jesus. They came to the right conclusion about who Jesus is. Samaritans. Remember, uh, if you were here last week, I mentioned that uh, the Samaritans, they built a, a rival temple on Mount Gerizim in Samaria. And it was a rival temple to the the real temple in Jerusalem. They changed the scriptures. Remember I talked about that? How they took the references to Jerusalem out of the scriptures and they wrote in Mount Gerizim, wherever it said Jerusalem. They changed the word of God. These people, and Jesus even told this woman earlier in the conversation, you guys are wrong about where you worship and what you believe. They were wrong on so many things, but they were so right about Jesus. They were so right on about Jesus, that he is the Christ and he's the savior of the world, not just the savior of the Jewish people, but he's the savior of everyone. Those who put their faith and trust in him, he's the savior of the world and and he's the only savior that God has provided for mankind. He's not a savior. He's the savior of the world. 
And Jesus performed no miracles in Samaria. We'll return to Pastor Dan's message in just a moment. First, Pastor Dan would like to tell you about the new Calvary Chapel Ellicott City app. We recently launched an app for our church and we're really excited about it. It's designed to keep you connected to our radio ministry, Ring of Truth, as well as to our church, Calvary Chapel. And get this, we have over 1,200 sermons on the app. The app is super convenient, it's easy to use, and allows you to listen to Bible studies anytime, anywhere. So download the app right now, search for Calvary Chapel, Ellicott City in your app store, or just follow the links on our website at calvaryec.com. What a great way to stay connected to Scripture. Now, back to today's message on Ring of Truth. Now, when he was in Jerusalem for the Passover, remember he's in Jerusalem, he leaves Jerusalem, he goes to Judea for a little while, then he goes to Samaria. When he was in Jerusalem, uh, we were told in chapter 2, he performed many miracles in, in Jerusalem, and those miracles were signs that pointed to who he is, that he's the Christ, he's the Son of God, but the people in Jerusalem, instead of you know, you know, going to the miracle worker, they were all caught up with the miracles, and they got all excited about the miracles. And they focused on the miracles and not who Jesus is. Not that he's the Messiah. And we were told in chapter 2 that that's why Jesus didn't commit himself to them. Because they were wrong. and Their, their, their direction was wrong. They were, uh, they were sign seekers. And not savior seekers. But the Samaritans, on the other hand, they were savior seekers. The response of the Samaritans here was the best response that Jesus received so far. Isn't that amazing? He didn't get this kind of response down in Jerusalem. But the Samaritans, they give him the best response that he received so far. In verse 43, we're told now, picking up the story today, now after the two days that he was in Samaria, Jesus departed from there, And he went to Galilee. Galilee, of course, is where Jesus grew up. He grew up in Nazareth, which is in the Galilee. So he goes back to where he's from, back to his his old stomping grounds. He's back in his home home country where people knew him, uh, where they knew him the best. And he goes back to Galilee. Now look at verse 44. Okay, Verse 44 begins with the word, for, for. Now that word for there, it's an important word. It's a conjunction. For means the reason that Jesus went back to Galilee was because of what John's about to say in verse 44. Jesus went back to Galilee for or because he himself testified that a prophet has no honor in his own country. Now, this is mind-blowing to me. Maybe not so much to you, but you just read it for the first time. I've been reading it all week and thinking about it. Jesus was honored in Samaria. He's honored as the Christ, the Savior of the world. And John's Gospel seems to say here that he intentionally left Samaria where he was honored and went to Galilee, to his own country, where he grew up, to the people that knew him best, who didn't honor him for who he is. They didn't honor him as the Christ, as the Savior 
of the world. And, and he, he knows that he intentionally goes there knowing that they dishonor him there and the Galilee. And this isn't a, a total surprise. John chapter one, verse 11 said he came to his own and his own did not receive him. And those in the Galilee did not receive him as the Christ, as the savior of the world. They didn't honor him there like they did down in Samaria. Now, we see examples of this elsewhere in the Gospels. I just want to uh, show you a couple. Uh, so turn with me over to Mark chapter 6. Mark chapter 6, verse 1 says, Then he went out from there and came to his own country. So now he's back up in the Galilee. And his disciples followed him. And when the Sabbath had come, he began to teach in the synagogue. And many hearing him were astonished, saying, Where did this man get these things? And what wisdom is this which is given to him that such mighty works are performed by his hands? Is this not the carpenter, the son of Mary, the brother of James, Joseph, Judas, and Simon? And are not his sisters here with us? Jesus came from a really large family. Look what it says at the end of verse 3. So they were all offended at him. They were offended. But Jesus said to them in verse 4, A prophet is not without honor except in his own country, among his own relatives, and in his own house. Some of you are going to experience that at Christmas when you go and spend Christmas with your family. Right? Now look at verse 5. Now he could do no mighty works there. Isn't that interesting? Except that he laid his hands on a few sick people and healed them, and he marveled because of their unbelief. And then he went about the villages in a circuit teaching. Verse, verse 6, uh, well, we're told here that they did not honor him for who he is. They were offended by him. Uh, we're told in verse 5, he could not do many mighty works there because of their unbelief. Because they didn't believe that he's the Christ. That he's the Son of God. That he's the Savior of the world. And so he could not do many, uh, many mighty works there because of their unbelief. And verse 6 says that Jesus actually marveled at their unbelief. Now, that, that's something that's noteworthy. There's only two times that we see Jesus marvel in the Bible. The other time is when he marvels at the faith of a Roman centurion. Remember the story where the centurion comes to him and, and Jesus starts to go with him. He's going to heal his servant. And the centurion says, you don't need to come. Hey, I'm a man under authority. I know how authority works. You just give the command and he'll be healed, but you don't need to come. You don't need to physically be there, there to heal somebody. And Jesus marveled at the faith of a Roman, a Roman centurion. Here, he marvels at the unbelief of his own countrymen. The only two times you see Jesus marvel. At, at faith from a Roman Gentile pagan, and the unbelief of his own countrymen who should be the ones who get it. They, they're offended by him. They reject him. They don't honor him. Another example, you don't have to turn there, but in Luke chapter 4, uh, another example of when uh, Jesus was not honored by his own people. And Luke 4 is when he taught in the synagogue in Nazareth, uh, his, his home church, if you will. Uh, and, you, and if you remember the story, he gets up to, to read in the synagogue in his hometown. And he reads from the scroll of Isaiah, Isaiah 61. That was the assigned reading for that particular day. 
And it's a passage of scripture that describes the ministry of the Messiah when he comes. And Jesus used that opportunity to announce that he's the Messiah. He used that opportunity to, to announce to his, to his own people, his hometown, that he's the Messiah. And if you remember the congregation, by the end of it, they, they didn't honor him for sure. By the end of it, uh, they were so offended by Jesus, they dragged him out of the city over a mile to a cliff and tried to push him off a cliff and kill him. They didn't honor him. They didn't honor him in his own town. He had no honor in his own country from his own people. But what we see here back in John chapter 4 is that Jesus intentionally went back there. He went from a place where he was honored to a place where he was not honored so he could continue to reveal himself to his own people. God's desire is for all people to come to saving faith in Jesus Christ. He's not willing that anyone would perish in their sins and be separated from God. And so he, he pursues us. And he keeps going and keeps coming. He doesn't give up. Because he loves us and he wants to have a relationship with us. He wants to spend eternity with us. And we, we see here in John chapter 4, Jesus goes back to Galilee knowing that they're not going to honor him there, that ultimately they're going to reject him. Now look at verse 45, though. Upon first reading of verse 45, uh, it sounds like it's a contradiction to verse 44. Verse 44, he says, a prophet has no honor in his own country. But then we come to verse 45. So when he came into Galilee, the Galileans received him, having seen all the things he did in Jerusalem at the feast, for they also had, had gone to the feast. So, so how can John say here, a prophet has no honor in his hometown, therefore he came to Galilee and they received him? It doesn't make sense. Well, listen, listen, give me your attention. There is a difference, and that's, that's what John's pointing out. It's what the Holy Spirit's pointing out here. There is a difference between honoring Jesus for who he is and receiving Jesus because of what he can do. There is a difference between honoring Jesus for who he is and receiving Jesus because of what he can do for you. The Galileans here... They received Jesus because they saw the miracles he did in Jerusalem at the Passover. They received him because of what he can do for them. They received Jesus, but they didn't honor him as their Savior. They didn't honor him as Christ. They didn't honor him as God incarnate. They, they, they were excited about the miracles. He asked me how I know, I say, bring If you missed any part of today's message or would like to hear more of Pastor Dan's teachings from 1 John, you can do so right now at calvaryec.com. Just click on media. In fact, there's an entire library of Pastor Dan's messages that you're welcome to listen to and even share with friends and family. Would you do us a favor? Would you join us in praying for the ministry of Ring of Truth? Please pray for Pastor Dan and everyone involved in this program that we would continue to listen and respond to what our Heavenly Father has to say. Pray, too, for your brothers and sisters in Christ listening along with you, that they would be protected from the enemy, and that the truth and blessing of Scripture would fuel their passion for following the Lord. Thank you for taking the time to pray. 
our time with you is at an end for today, we'd like to encourage you not to shut your Bible just yet. Continue reading in the book of 1 John or take some time to explore any of the other 65 books in God's Word. Each one reveals new aspects of your relationship with your Creator and will open your eyes to His purpose and plans for this world and for you. We pray you are blessed richly as you continue an extended time of learning from Scripture. Thanks for tuning in today and join us next time for another edition of Ring of Truth. Recognize her.